0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Morning Break with Graham Stanley. Despite this being my very first show, I had the audacity to invite the brilliant Joe Dale as my guest. Joe is an enthusiastic independent consultant from the Isle of Wight in the UK, and in our interview, he talks to me about educational podcasting, what you can use it for, why you should be interested in it and how best this to get This is
0: Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the morning break everyone. I'm Graham and although I'm originally from North Shields in the northeast of England, I now live and work in the very lively Mexico City. This is my first ever show for Teachers Talk Radio. I plan to have a different theme for the show every week and invite special guests to talk to me about the theme. Before talking to the guest, I'll give a short introduction. And then I'm hoping to be able to encourage those of you who are listening in live to call in and join in the conversation towards the end of the show. This is the first time I've done this, so I'm not sure how that section will go. But part of the appeal of doing this live is definitely to have people who are listening uh, call in. So if that's you, I'd like to encourage you to do so. Uh, I can see there are a few of you already uh, listening live. Uh, So please don't be shy and get ready. If you don't know how to do it, I think you need to have a Podbean account to be able to do so. If you have an account, then log in. Uh, And if you don't, then you still have time to create one. Go on, what are you waiting for? So when I was thinking about who I wanted to invite as a guest for my first show, I immediately thought of Joe Dale. Now I've known Joe for a long time and apart from being a modern foreign languages teacher, Joe is an expert on educational technology and he always has something interesting to say whenever we speak. So I asked him to talk about educational podcasting because it's a particular passion of his and I remembered learning a lot about how best to podcast the last time we spoke I also thought it was a good idea for me to get some tips about audio from an expert since I was starting this new audio adventure. So, what is educational podcasting and why might you be interested in it? Well, a podcast, as I'm sure everybody knows who's listening, is a digital audio file you can download or stream. So, you can listen to it at a time of your choosing, as well as being live. Uh, Radio, The Teachers Talk Radio Show is also a podcast. The term podcast is a portmanteau, a combination of iPod and broadcast. Uh, It was a term invented by The Guardian and BBC journalist Ben Hammersley back in 2004. I remember first coming across the term and the ensuing discussion with people arguing for an alternative term so that it wasn't linked to Apple's iPod. The issue was that it wasn't necessary to have an iPod if you wanted to listen to it or make a podcast, but the term suggested it was. Audio blogging was one of the terms that was proposed, and perhaps it's time to start using this again to distinguish between podcasts that are produced professionally, especially when they're downloadable radio shows, and more informal chatty audio recordings. It's also interesting to note that I think uh, the backronym, Portable On Demand, was suggested by some to avoid the connection to Apple's iPod. Now, in the mid 2000s, I was enthused with blogging and soon after became equally enthused with podcasting or the idea of audio blogging. Working as an English language teacher in Spain, I thought it was a great way not only to be able to connect with other teachers for continuing professional development, CPD, but also a way to motivate learners. I'd already experimented with blogging for this and found that by publishing their written work, the learners felt they were writing for an audience beyond the teacher having their work out there to be read by peers, parents or others meant they were more interested in there not being mistakes, which meant that something like process writing, for example, writing and editing various times um, was easier to do. So getting them to rewrite something to make it better uh, for them to improve their writing was a lot easier to do and that proved to be a successful strategy. So when podcasting emerged, I felt the same thing could be done, uh, but with audio. And it felt even better because as a language teacher, the focus naturally is usually on getting learners to speak. And this seemed a perfect way of doing that. Podcasts also became an easily obtainable source of authentic listening that a teacher could use with learners. In today's show, we're going to concentrate on the recording of podcasts, uh, principally, and why you might want to do that with your learners, whether they be language learners or any other subject uh, learners, really. So, back in 2005, shortly after I'd started experimenting with podcasts, I wrote an article for the British Council and BBC's Teaching English website, called podcasting for ELT, for English language teaching. And then the year after I wrote another for the TESOL EJ electronic journal, both of which are still online and available to read. uh, Strangely enough, Uh, that last article was called podcasting audio on the internet comes of age. And that was back in 2005. Since then, I think podcasting has become even more uh, popular and even more important, um, not only as a form of entertainment for people but but for teachers and learners. And I thought it'd be interesting uh, to look at these two articles again in preparation for my conversation with Joe, and here's what I learned. The Tseleje article is more technical and goes into detail about something called RSS, Really simple syndication. Now that was important to know about at the time if you wanted to subscribe to podcasts or make your own podcasts available to people. Although RSS it still exists, it's largely become invisible to most people, and don't think it's something teachers need to worry about anymore. Many of the tools I recommended teachers use in that article, as well, have now disappeared, as have the suggested podcasts. Um. But there are others, I think, that have replaced them. Now, the British Council BBC article categorises podcasts for teaching into three. Authentic podcasts, by which I mean professionally produced, that can be used as a rich source of listening for students. Teacher podcasts, produced, surprise, surprise, by teachers and generally aimed at providing students with listening content often simplified in the case of language learners, that isn't available elsewhere, and which can give a local flavour or um, a specific context uh, for the learners. And then student podcasts, and I experimented a lot with this last type. Produced by students, often with a teacher's help, these are a great way of extending the classroom and providing a real audience for student work, which seemed to me to be a very interesting thing to explore. Now, back in 2005, I used to work at a university school of tourism in Barcelona, Spain. One of the courses I developed there was called Theme Tourism for third-year students. And together, we examined case studies of how different themes were used to promote tourism around the world course was taught in English and was an example of content and language integrated learning. The legend of Robin Hood was one of the case studies I used. Another was how the Beatles are exploited for tourism in Liverpool or over-exploited for tourism. And then another of course was Gaudi and modernist architecture in Barcelona. For their final assignment, I asked the students to write and record an audio report, uh, a podcast really, which I posted on the course blog. Now, the students really took to it uh, and I left it up to them to decide on the theme and they produced audio reports on topics such as historical tourism in Spain, Indiana Jones, Petra and tourism. And flamenco and tourism, among lots of other subjects. What was great about it is I offered them the opportunity for me to look at the uh, the script, the the text, um, before they recorded it, and this encouraged them to uh, to write and rewrite, and then um, to produce something uh, that uh, because they were producing something that was going to be heard beyond the classroom walls. A lot of them, virtually all of them, I think, actually wanted me to listen to it first and suggest uh, corrections uh, or to help them a little bit with their pronunciation, for example. So it was a really good way of them focusing on content that was very relevant to their studies, but also improving their English. Um. Now, the British Council BBC article finishes with some suggestions for teachers uh, how to produce their own podcasts. Some of this is still valid, but understandably, much of the actual technology and links in that article, with a couple of exceptions, has now changed. Fortunately for teachers, producing podcasts has become a lot easier with sites such as Podbean making the task simpler than it was. The TESOL EJ article was more technical. This had step-by-step instructions of how to create and publish a podcast. Back then, you needed a voice recorder to record audio, for example. Nowadays, a voice recorder application is readily available on everyone's mobile phone. Some of the advice is still very much applicable, though. For instance, it's always best to try and make the quality of the original audio file as good as it can be. And it's better, if you're recording students, for them to rehearse until they're confident about what they want to say, rather than record and then try to edit a resulting file. Editing an audio file can take a long time, in and in the interview with Joe, Uh, Joe Dell goes into detail about how to best approach both the recording and editing of audio. Another audio project I did back in 2005, which I'm sad I didn't follow up on, is something called an interactive listening maze. Now, interactive listening mazes were based on reading mazes, which were uh, a very popular educational equivalent of choose-your-own-adventure stories, basically. These were usually written texts on numbered cards um, and and became very popular. I think they started with business English students with scenarios uh, based around uh, typical business, business situations and students needed to read a card and then select a correct response, which would take them to another different numbered card. And the objective was to find a suitable ending uh to the scenario and if a choice led to a dead end then the students could start again and trying to uh, do better the interactive listening mazes were similar i created one that i gave to students to do online for homework and then with the students we created another one together which they recorded unfortunately i looked for them and the audio files for these have long disappeared from the web and only the blog that hosted them exists now So, enough about the background to podcasting. Of late, podcasting in general has become a very popular form of entertainment, and the numbers of shows available seems to be increasing all of the time. There are now few radio stations, I think, that don't offer shows as podcasts. And apart from podcasts for entertainment, there is also a wide variety of educational podcasts on just about any subject under the sun. These range from professionally produced shows to the more informal audio blogs that are directed towards towards much smaller audiences. As I hope you'll see during the interview with today's special guest, creating a podcast is something that any teacher can do and doing it can be of great value to you and your learners. I hope you'll see that getting started isn't difficult and it doesn't necessarily need to take up much of your time either although it has to be said anything involving technology podcasts included if you have the time available and are interested in it then there are lots of rabbit holes to fall down so please be wary of that okay so now on to the interview with my special guest Joe Dale I've known Joe, Joe for a long time and have always been very impressed by his passion, his energy and enthusiasm when it comes to educational technology. He's particularly well known in the modern foreign languages community in the UK and his generosity for sharing resources and ideas is second to none. After the interview with Joe, where we discuss everything from why teachers might want to become involved with podcasting and what kinds of projects they can do, To more technical advice about microphones and recording and then what tools to use and Joe's suggestions about editing, I'll spend some time talking about a teacher who was a great inspiration to me and others when it comes to podcasting. He was one of the very first educational podcasters to create a show with his learners and I got a lot of ideas from that. He was from New Hampshire in the US and his name was Bob Sprankle. Although he passed away in 2015, Bob's legacy continues to inspire and I believe that any teacher interested in podcasting in particular can learn a lot from Bob's work. But first, here's my interview with the inspiring teacher, educator, consultant, Joe Dale, which I recorded uh, so last So welcome week. everybody. I'm very happy to have as my guest on my very first Teacher talk radio show, Joe Dale from the UK. Joe, thank you very much for agreeing to do this. And uh, I'd love it if you could introduce yourself.
2: Well, first of all, thank you so much for the uh, the offer, Graham. It's an absolute privilege to be podcasting with you on your inaugural show. Very, very flattering. So welcome everybody. Thank you so much for the the invite. So a little bit of background about myself. I'm a former languages teacher. I taught French for 13 years. Three years at secondary school level and then 10 years at middle school level, teaching nine 13-year-olds on the Isle of Wight, which is where I live, which is where I'm podcasting from right now. And um, I've worked with all the major language associations, lots of them around the world actually, but I've traveled here, there and everywhere. I've been to places like uh, North America, Australia, the Middle East, South America, all over Europe, running training on the use of uh, how technology can enhance language learning. So I'm now an independent language consultant and I've been doing that for about 11 years or so. And of course, since the pandemic, I've been um, mainly working through webinars as well as appearing on quite a few podcasts. So it's a real honour to be on this one with you today, Graham.
1: Fantastic, Joe. Thank you very much. One of the things I wanted to do when I was uh, preparing for this, what I wanted was I thought I would talk to you about podcasting, because apart from it always being a fascinating conversation whenever whenever we get together and talk about this, we've done that several times. But also I thought I would definitely benefit from having some of the tips that you were able to give me about audio on the internet, especially as this is exactly what this new adventure is for me. So I think I'd like to start by just saying, or rather asking you, what it is about podcasting that fascinates you and why you think educators should be interested in it?
2: Okay, well, I've been a fan of podcasts, as you know, since about uh, 2005, 2006. My first podcast was for my uh, my middle school where I was working at the time, and uh, that was around mid-2006. And I think I was probably the first English language teacher, as in from the UK, who created their own podcast. I was... Learning how to use Audacity. I remember coming across a uh, BT um, website called Assignment Podcast with a radio, BBC Radio um, journalist talking us through how to create your podcast, how to use Audacity. And I just got really excited about it. And then I just, yeah, I got into podcasting, started doing podcasts with my students. Back in 2007, we made a grammar podcast whereby I asked students to um, put together. Sort of like a three-part podcast with like an introduction, an explanation of a particular grammar point, and then some sort of quiz with about five to 10 seconds after each question for thinking time for the, uh, the listener to then answer the question. Then the, the students would then say the answers out loud, as it were. That was a lot of fun. It's still available at nodehillfrench.podomatic.com. And, yeah, so the reason that I like podcasting, I love the authenticity of it. I think that in the current era of fake news, I love the way in which you can hear someone's voice and you can really you know understand so many cues and different um meanings in their voice that you just can't you can't hide as you can in say text and things like that. So I really like that authenticity around it, and it's a real breath of fresh air, I think as well in the current era that we live in with disinformation being rife. I also love listening to podcasts by educators, particularly language educators, but educators in general, talking about maybe the latest edtech ideas and being able to listen to uh, recordings on the move while I'm doing something else, like going for a walk or or watching something online, etc. I can listen at the same time. It's, it's fantastic. All those journeys that I used to take when I was able to travel all the time for work, um, I was able to listen to a podcast on the train when maybe I lost my internet connection or what have you. But then from the point of the educational value, the point of the educational value of podcasting, I think there are many reasons why I think it's really good. I think it's really good from the point of view that the students are publishing to a real audience, which is very engaging for young people, I think. I think the whole you know, uh, collaborative writing opportunity of putting together a script or uh, either individually or as part of a small group using, say, a Google Doc or equivalent is really fantastic for honing your skills, deepening your understanding of what it is that you're learning about, that you're podcasting about, because obviously to podcast about something, you need to know it really well. And supposedly one of the best ways of learning is by teaching somebody else. So by putting together a podcast, I think it's absolutely fantastic for that. I think also it's good maybe for those people who are a little bit um, not as organized as they could be. I think it really helps to promote organizational skills. I also think um, it's a really fun thing to do as well. It's uh, amazing to get feedback about the podcast that you've then done. I can remember as i said back in 2007 back in the early days of twitter when people were tweeting lovely responses to the uh, the grammar podcast we were putting out um you know people saying you know say well done to your your students joe that produced such and such a podcast and and i told them they were absolutely tickled pink it was amazing so i think there's lots of reasons why I think podcasting is good from a creation point of view as well as from a consumption point of view.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think one of the things that my aha moment, if you like, was when I realized that if I asked learners to record themselves, as you said, it would be really empowering for them, but also they were more likely to write something down, to prepare a script, to be able to then record a podcast, for example and then they're more likely to work upon it as well to get it right to be able to get it to a point where they felt happy and proud of what they were able to say and I was able to help them with that they would rehearse it we would listen to it they would be happy to record it again and that was really empowering i think so i think the whole idea of publishing in this way was very very beneficial for learners and and then the idea of getting them to, that they would have an audience, a real audience for whatever they produce, which I think is always a struggle, isn't it, for a teacher, particular language teacher. You know, why should the students do something, write something, or say something, record something, for example, even if the only person who's going to listen to that is the teacher. So you're able to, to give a much wider audience to the students, and that's very empowering and motivating. Joe, you mentioned audacity. So if we move towards getting into the technicalities of how teachers can actually become involved in producing their own podcast, apart from giving a kind of overview of what you suggest for real beginners, you know, people who have never done this before, the easiest way of doing it, how that would be. But then also perhaps you could talk about what audacity is and why it might be interesting for teachers to download that and to use that.
2: Absolutely, I'd love to. So I think first and foremost the most important thing is to get a good quality audio i think that it's all very well being able to edit things nicely and to apply different effects like noise reduction and what have you but the most important thing to start off with is to get a good raw audio signal as one says so i would suggest if you're really going for the absolute basics really simple way of recording audio is to use a a web tool like vocaroo which is very very nice it works on all devices you just obviously need an internet connection it doesn't require the students to have to create an account or to sign up. You've got a big red recording button in the middle of the screen. They simply have to click on that, make their recording. They can record as long as they want to. And also the audio is stored on the servers for up to one year, which is fantastic. They can then copy the link and share it with the teacher. What I suggest sometimes is that the teacher could create say, a Google form or a Microsoft form and have a short answer box with the link that the students um, paste in. So you could have a, a short answer box with a name. Of the student and then another one for the link they paste in the link and then the teacher will then get a nice um spreadsheet with everyone's names and everyone's uh, links next to that from there once the teacher has the link they can just click on that and they can just download the audio and put it into a web tool like anchor.fm which is fantastic in the way that you can use it as a way of not only recording the podcast hosting the podcast but also distributing the podcast as well all for free because it's owned by spotify and the fact it is owned by Spotify suggests a bit like um, with YouTube and Google that it's not going to be going away because there have been many startups since I started getting into this that um, offered free hosting and then suddenly disappeared. So any whenever something is free, you can't guarantee it's always going to be around. But the fact that Spotify acquired Anchor in 2019 suggests that it will be there for a long time, which is fantastic news. So I would say that from the point of view of making it as simple as possible for the students, that's a good way to go. There's also some other free tools which are useful, for example, onlinevoicerecorder.com, which is great for recording an MP3 file. You can also edit the beginning and the end just by moving a slider, so it doesn't require any sort of technical expertise at all. And then when you click save, it downloads it as an MP3 file. So it's not hosted in the same way as it is with, say, Vokaroo, but you could obviously just then upload it to Google Classroom or Class Notebook or whatever LMS you're using. That's another good idea, I think. There's also a free teleprompter, which I use a lot, called QPrompter.com, which allows you to take your script, paste it into the white box, click Start Prompter, and then you get another screen with your script there, and you click Forward, and then the the text starts to scroll down the screens, like um, a newsreader would uh, would have in front of them. So you can then hit record in Vokaroo or in... Um, Online voice recorder, I normally also suggest as well with online voice recorder, you could click your fingers three times at the beginning, just after you started sort of doing your your preamble, a bit that you don't actually want to record. so You click your fingers three times to put a marker in the track, you say what you want to say, and then you put another three clicks in as well, just by clicking your fingers or making a mouse sound, whatever it is that you want to do, or a clap maybe. And then once you've done that, when you stop recording, you see very clearly visually in the in the wave file that uh, or the wave form that appears in online voice recorder, you can then just move the the playhead at the end and the beginning just after the um, or just before depending on which side you're going from the the three clicks, and then you've just got the nice bit of audio that you want, and then you click save and download it. So those are a few ideas of really you know the real basics of um, just being able to record your audio. The other thing I would say as well before I go on to Audacity is think very carefully about your microphone placement. So you could, for example, make a really nice recording on a mobile device like an iPad or a mobile phone, but you need to make sure that your mouth is reasonably near the microphone. What I mean by that is you probably want to have it say a maximum of around six inches away from your mouth, maybe even closer, but not directly in front of your mouth because then you're going to get plosives or when you say words with P's and B's in, they're going to be going straight into the microphone, which will sound terrible and are very difficult to edit out. So you want to have it probably just underneath your chin. If you've got one of those mobile devices, or if you wanted to have, say, a lav mic, those are little ones that you put on your shirt. Again, just have that under your chin. You should sound uh, fantastic. Or if you want to invest a little bit of money, then there are lots of budget uh, USB mics available the one I'm speaking to right now is the um atr 2100 x which costs about 80 pounds there's also the samson qtu which is a similar type of microphone and the nice thing about those two microphones is they also have an xLR option for those people who don't know what that is it's um the sort of the standard connection for more sort of industry standard recording setups so that would mean you'd have to put that into some sort of what's called a um an audio interface which would you know it's another thing that you consider getting if you really got into this for example the um the scarlet focus 2i2 is a popular one or if you wanted to spend a bit more you could go for the um the roadcaster pro which is about 4 500 pounds so that would be for if you're really into this sort of thing so
1: those who are serious about podcasting
2: absolutely but um but I I've started off with you know the sort of simple ideas and then i've sort of worked up to this more expensive microphone now but um i think it's worth it hopefully you can you agree with uh hearing my sound right now and then there's there are other options as well i've got the the samsung go mic as well which is about 45 pounds which you can either use it as a lab mic you can clip it onto your shirt or you can put it on the top of your laptop that's also very nice and by the the name it suggests you can take it on the move really easily it's sort of about the size of a matchbox and you can just Put that in your bag and and you're good to go. So there's lots of options. One of the things I love about audio is you don't have to spend a lot of money to get a really, really good sound. But the position of the microphone is really important. The other thing which is also really important is the room. So it makes a big difference, for example, if you record with a room with carpet in it. Or you record in a room with maybe a lot of soft furnishings, like a bedroom maybe. Or in a front room with sofas and that sort of thing. So anything that will dampen the sound, the worst place to record would be in a bathroom because you'd have lots of hard, shiny surfaces and the, the sound will reverberate.
1: Or a classroom, Joe.
2: Or a classroom.
1: I definitely have experience of um, recording in classrooms and you get this weird sort of echo reverb sound that that makes it hard or it makes it sometimes difficult to listen to, doesn't it?
2: That's exactly right. But there are tricks around that because, for example, if you get a dynamic microphone, the microphone I'm using right now, the ATR2100X, that's a dynamic microphone, which means that you can get it nearer to your mouth without the the need for audio treatment of your room. That would mean, for example, putting up duvets over the top of your microphone or making like um, a duvet fort, that sort of thing, which I'm sure we all did as kids. But it makes a big, big difference for the sound. Or what you could do is you could put um, a towel on the desk and then put the microphone over the top. But I think having a carpet, having carpeted floor does make a big difference. You can also... If you wanted to take a couple of cushions and make like a V behind the microphone, that makes a difference as well. And then another cushion on top. So you're just encapsulating the microphone in this sort of more padded area. But if you get a dynamic microphone and you have it quite near your mouth about normally about 45 degrees from your mouth. So you're not talking directly into it because of the plosive issues I talked about, you should sound really, really good. So those are a few important points about getting a good signal to start off with. But then of course. There's Audacity, which is amazing. It's a free tool. It's been around for many, many years. It was um, bought by a a company quite recently, and they've had a number of really cool updates applied to it, and they seem to be coming in thick and fast, which is fantastic. If you haven't heard of Audacity, it's a free open source audio editor. It works on Windows, on Mac, and on Linux, if any Linux fans are listening to this you can record as wav files you can also export as mp3 files there's another plugin called the um, ffmpeg plugin which means you can then import mp4 files which could be video files or audio files and it will just strip out the audio if it's a video file and it's amazing for you know basic editing you can do all the things you'd want to do like cut and move tracks around and split them and have multi-track editing I really, really got into Audacity, I must say. I, I joined a, a Facebook group called Podcast Editors Club, which uh, is amazing for tips about editing. And they talk about Audacity, they talk about other DAWs or digital audio workstations, such as Reaper and GarageBand and what have you. But there are lots of tips around audacity my audacity skills have gone through the roof as a result of that so i'm now doing things like writing my own macros for audacity programming my own hotkeys and things like that so whenever i in my workflow whenever i found something which i wanted to improve i've just worked out how to do that via a macro and it has meant that my speed of editing has gone you know i can get through a file more quickly than i could do beforehand but that takes time
1: of course I think one of the things that would be interesting for teachers to know is that Audacity is actually very, very easy to use as a beginner, isn't it? It's something that you can start. It's got a very simple interface and it allows you, I think, what I think is really interesting about Audacity is if if there are any teachers who want to sort of do, for example, to put together a radio show, a kind of fake podcast of a radio show for students, which is a good thing to do because you can get learners to work on different bits. Someone could do the sports news, someone could do the news, others could do jingles, interviews, etc, etc. Then you can take all of these audio files which students can create themselves at home or on their phones or or, or in other ways. And then it's very easy just to sort of put them together in something like Audacity.
2: I couldn't agree more. There's also a, a free tool called Soundtrap as well, which also allows you to edit uh, multi-track audio in the browser there is a a premium version as well but if you're just looking for simple editing that's fine and what's nice about Soundtrap is it comes with a whole host of royalty-free sound effects so if you want to make some sort of storytelling project then you've got lots of um, things like I don't know car siren horns that sort of thing or storm sounds or the sound of sea or or that sort of thing that's uh, fantastic there's also the BBC sound effects library as well So a few years ago, the BBC decided to make available, I think, about 33,000 royalty-free tracks, which um, are absolutely free to use in schools and by educators, which is superb. So, for example, you could ask the students to put together their track, and then you could add a lovely little sound effect to it, and then you could learn how to make the the sound effect quieter by using the envelope tool in Audacity, which is officially referring to sort of ducking the, the music. Ducking means just making it quieter. you're speaking and then making it loud again when you're not speaking and that is a simple skill but it makes your audio sound really really professional so i think that storytelling is a brilliant brilliant um way of using audio for educational purposes you could also when you finish your project you could export it as an mp3 file you could run it through a really nice uh, free online tool called ophonic which is a-u-p-h-o-n-i-c and that just sort of martyrs the audio and, and makes all the audio levels really nice And crisp, and then you could then upload that to, as I said, Anchor, or if you wanted to keep it more sort of in-house, you could use a tool like Microsoft Sway, for example, which allows you to make us like um, a collage of different elements, such as an audio file, you can upload it and it becomes a player automatically. You could add in images referring to the story that you're talking about as well that's another idea. There's so many potential <laughs> ideas. And, and also another reason I really like audio in relation to say storytelling is podcasting is almost like a, a mirror on the mind. In other words, you make up your own pictures in your own head by listening to the audio. And there's nothing better than hearing children recording their voices, expressing themselves, promoting student voice, talking about a story in their own words, in their own voice. It's fantastic.
1: Yes, no, definitely. I think it's um, it's a wonderful thing to do. So you've talked about lots of different tools there, Joe, which I think is great. We shouldn't um, put teachers off as well, though, I think, you know, so you've talked about this a little bit already with um, how teachers can get started, but what are your real recommendations apart from some of the things you, you've suggested? How would teachers start working with learners in the classroom, for example? Do you think it's something that they should just try to adapt? there if they're working with a course book or or another way or is there a way that you think it would be good for teachers to introduce this idea of creating audio of creating a podcast and and sharing it how would they get started really
2: yeah that's a great question so i think there's a number of different options i think whenever you're recording audio you want to really have a sort of like a, a quiet environment to work in obviously and obviously a classroom environment is not a quiet environment you will get background sounds and what have you so you could for example set up a podcasting club whereby you have the really enthusiasts who actually edit and put the audio together you could get the students to record at home using a tool like vocaroo etc sending the, the link to the teacher and then download all the audio and give it out to the people in the club to then put it together into a podcast because it does take a while to edit podcasts and put them together. So it might be an idea to have the enthusiast to do that, but just have everyone recording their audio. So doing all that um, preparation and getting them to write their scripts and to rehearse it in the way that you would normally do, but just the icing on the cake is the capturing the recording of it so it doesn't just go off into the ether. You've got the, a recording of that uh, discussion or that uh, individual person's audio and then edit it all together. You could at the same time, you could obviously do the same thing, say, in a... In an ICT room, everyone could be using Audacity and could be using, say, Soundtrap to edit it together as well. That'd be another option. But I think starting off small, looking at your curriculum, looking at a topic which lends itself particularly well to podcasting, maybe talking about that ideal holiday or what they did last weekend or describing their daily routine. In relation to daily routine, you could, for example, ask the students to record little sound effects at home and then incorporate them into Audacity project. I was taking part in a in a podcasting online workshop recently and that was exactly the task. We had to make a little recording about describing our ideal breakfast. So what I did was I went downstairs with my microphone and I recorded the sound of some bread popping up out of the toaster or the sound of the kettle boiling and, and so on and so forth. And then I interviewed my seven year old son about why he thought breakfast was a good idea. And he said some really lovely things and I put it all together into a into a short uh, minute and a half uh, bit of audio. And it sounded, in my opinion, stellar. It sounded really, really nice. So you can get the children to make up their own sound effects and so on and so forth. It just depends what what you're trying to do. But in relation to say a languages classroom, I would look, as I said, I look, would look at your scheme of work, look at a, a topic which lends itself nicely to, to this sort of approach and then get the students to write their scripts, record them at home so you don't have the issue around classroom sound. Obviously, you, you could do it in the classroom, but I know particularly if you're a perfectionist that might be very annoying and once you've got noise in the audio it's very difficult to get rid of that although you can reduce it with things like noise reduction and what have you so I would suggest um, those would be a few ideas and then just send all the audio in as I said you could then download it and put it into audacity or you could upload it to anchor and put it into the library section in anchor and then design your own episode by literally dragging and dropping the elements into the order that you want you can add in jingles as well with anchor and uh, little bits of audio between the elements little segues. so that's also really nice and that works on a mobile device as well as on the desktop so if you've got a nice microphone you can plug your microphone in and you can record as the host the different sections or obviously you could do the same with the students they could record themselves as well so there's lots and lots of different possibilities
1: fantastic one of the things i've used podcasting for was i used to work at a, a school of tourism in a university in barcelona in spain and i did a course called english for tourism and as part of that course i got the students to work on projects So they chose a a subject that they wanted to talk about that was related to English and tourism and they had to produce a podcast, a short audio recording, which we then put online for anyone who wanted to listen to about that subject. So they scripted it. I used to revise their script and correct the errors, etc., and then they used to record it. And it was fascinating. I think um, it was a really, really beneficial thing for the students to do because apart from their language skills it was really they had to do the research about particular subject they wanted to do and so i think for project work i think in particular podcasting can offer all sorts of possibilities
2: yeah i agree i think that the whole way in which you can write the script you can then send that to the teacher they can then mark that and correct that that's absolutely fantastic another uh, tip i would suggest as well is once you've recorded the audio There's a free way of getting a transcript of that audio by using Microsoft Word Online. Now, you would have to have an account with Microsoft to do that, but they have the transcribe option, which means um, you just click on the transcribe option, you upload your MP3 file, and it will turn it into a a written transcript within a couple of minutes for free using AI, basically. There's also some other paid options of doing that. There's uh, Descript as well, which is D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T. And that generates the transcript and it actually allows you to edit the transcript, which will then edit the audio. So it's a different way of editing audio by removing words. And likewise, with Soundtrap that I mentioned, I think you get 10 minutes per month to do transcription. But if you then pay for the premium version, then I'm not sure if it's unlimited, but you can certainly edit in that way more. And there's also... The fact that it's available in a number of different languages which is also cool so if you wanted to if you didn't like the idea of editing and audacity you could edit by simply removing words and again through artificial intelligence in the transcript that it generates it doesn't show all the ums and ahs as well which is interesting so if you're perfectionist like I am and you want to remove all the ums and ahs I wouldn't necessarily use Soundtrap for that unless you want to do it manually which um, is pretty straightforward as well so there's there's lots of ways in which you can use the transcript either as a way of reminding yourself what it is that you want to say although to be honest I normally recommend bullet points as opposed to a transcript because then it sounds more natural but it sounds more natural it's going to be more interesting I think for the listener it's very obvious if someone's reading out a transcript whereas if it sounds more natural it's going to make it a more effective podcast and then once you've made your audio recording you can then as I said upload it to Microsoft Word to generate a transcript and then once you've done that what you can do is you can read through the transcript you can highlight bits you particularly like if you want to make some sort of um, you know journalist type um, show or non-fiction program around audio you might want to take up little snippets you want to include, or you might want to put those into audiograms using a tool like Headliner as a way of promoting your podcast once it's available. But by taking those little snippets, it means it can make it you know, very impactful and you can then record your narration and then say, and then so-and-so said this, and then play the audio from that person as opposed to it being just a straight interview, for example. That's another way of doing that. And having a transcript makes it easier you to put together the narrative so it sounds very professional and cool
1: fantastic And Joe, I think you've touched upon this. There may well be some teachers out there who are interested in using podcasting as a way of connecting with other teachers. It is a great way of doing that, of being able to put something down that you know about to share with other educators, other teachers, I think is great. Do you have any tips for teachers who want to do that, apart from what you've already just said as well?
2: Absolutely. So I think once you've made your podcast, almost certainly as long as you advertise it, it will get an audience audience. The thing that you need to really think about to start off with is the community, your local community. So as opposed to, you know, trying to uh, get people from Australia or the States or have you listen to your podcast, if you just tried to promote it amongst your local community, ask the students to talk about the podcast. It's I'm sure it's something they'll be very proud of. They can tell their parents, their parents can tell grandparents and so on and so forth. And so everybody can then get down to, you know, promoting the podcast, having a listen. So I think that using The local community may be putting out a school newsletter, that sort of thing, as well as promoting on Twitter, on Facebook and places like that to encourage as big an audience as possible. And then if you do get, let's say, the granny who lives in Australia, leaving a comment on the podcast blog or maybe even sending in an audio file, which you'd include in a future episode, I think those are all Great ideas, but I think nurturing the local community before you do anything else is, in my opinion, the best thing to do to start off with. But once you've got your podcast, you will find an audience, and if it's a good podcast, then you'll get a bigger and bigger audience. Um, I also think consistency is very important as well. So if you say, right, we're going to there's going to be a new episode once a month, and you stick to the the day that you normally put it out, let's say the first Monday of every month, people know that you're going to have the next episode. That's also really important as well. So. Good audio quality, good content, and consistency, I think, are some of the the things which are the most important when you're talking about educational podcasting.
1: Fantastic. Joe, I think we're running out of time. I just wanted to say thank you very much for agreeing to be my first guest on this show. And um, I would love to invite you to speak about something else, maybe sometime soon in the future, if that sounds okay.
2: That sounds perfect. I always love talking about podcasting, as you know. I also like talking about lots of other ways in which we can use technology to enhance language learning. It's been a real privilege. And I really hope that everybody finds this uh, this audio useful. I'd really encourage everyone to check out the future shows that Graham's going to be putting out. And if you want to get in touch with me, that's really easy to do. Probably the best way is via Twitter. So I'm just at Joe Dale on Twitter. And um, I would love to hear from you uh, talking about anything to do with technology and languages, but particularly educational podcasting, because that's one of my huge passions uh, since I started getting into all of, all of this sort of stuff when we first connected back in sort of 2005, 2006.
1: Thank you very much, Joe. And thank you very much to Joe for that interview and for his time and generosity, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'm now going to go to the news and adverts, and then I'm hoping to bring some of the people who join me live uh, to join me for a chat uh, after that. But first, here are the news and adverts.
0: This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more.
3: Introducing Uplearn Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and Arc Schools. Book a demo at Uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn u-p-l-e-a-r-n dot co dot uk
0: Whatever learning looks like this year bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos gamification and activities all in a single easy to use platform. To help kickstart the new year we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland and full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today.
3: If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion wwwwitherslackgroupcouk forward slash careers and be part of our future.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
4: In England, the Education Secretary, Nadim Sahawi, is to introduce new guidance for teachers to ensure a balanced discussion of politics in lessons. Mr Sahawi stated in The Sun on Sunday that teachers must handle political discussions in the classroom sensitively. He said, while there is a clear need for schools to address political issues in the classroom from time to time, this must not be done in a partisan way. No school should be encouraging young people to pin their colours to a particular political mast. As the Secretary of State for Education, I want to make sure that each and every child is given the opportunity to come to their own opinions without being swayed by what others think. Mr Sahawi said schools must assess all materials relating to political issues to ensure they are appropriate and will be provided with a framework for discussion and de escalation in cases of disputes. The guidance is to be published next week. Redbridge Council's Schools Tree Planting Initiative has involved schoolchildren across Redbridge. In the planting of more than 80 new trees in the borough. The council initiative is part of efforts to increase tree coverage in the borough and give children hands-on experience in planting and caring for trees while learning about the importance of trees and greenery in helping to tackle climate change. Head of Coppice Primary School Michael Fernandez said it has been an amazing experience for our entire school as children from nursery all the way through to year six have had the chance to be part of planting our new orchard. We feel very fortunate that our existing nature garden has now been expanded to include apple, pear and plum trees. During the planting sessions, pupils learnt about the important environmental and health benefits trees bring, including helping clean up the air we breathe, provide shade and create natural habitats for wildlife this has been your latest teachers talk radio news with Gail Glenn
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
5: Hello, for some it's half term, for others there's another week to wait. Today I'm going to talk about a YouTube hack. We all know there are some great explanation videos out there, but sometimes we just want to use a short clip, not the whole thing. Did you know you can save a link to start at a time that you specify? If you didn't, here's the simplest way to do it. Go to the YouTube video you want and pause where you want to start. Hover the pointer over the red line that shows where you're up to in the video and a red circle will appear. Right click on the red circle and a menu pops up. On the menu select copy video URL at current time. Now you have a link that will take you to that time in the video. Okay, now we can start a video at any time we want. There is a way to use this to our advantage. I don't know about you, but the ads at the start of some clips can be rather annoying. If you start your video one second in using the method just described, more often than not, you'll avoid having to sit through the adverts. Please remember to keep yourself safe. Anyone can upload anything to sites like YouTube. Please make sure you have watched the whole clip yourself before playing it in the classroom. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech.
0: Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Hello again, everybody, and... um... Thank you to everyone who's joined me live today. We even have someone listening in from Rwanda, which is uh, great. um Now, Teachers Talk Radio host Joseph James says he's been podcasting with his kids about uh, eco issues. And I'm going to try to invite Joseph James. Hi, Hi Sir Joe. <laughs> You're right. Your Twitter handle, I believe, isn't it? How how, Yeah.
6: uh, Yeah, Sergio2 is my Twitter handle, because obviously Sergio had already been taken by the time I'd signed up. But yeah. Of course.
1: I'd love to hear more about um what you've been doing with your kids um with podcasting.
6: So I think first you need to know a bit of context about my school. So my school is very progressive, and um, it's called Liberty Woodland School, and um, ev- we're a primary school, but ev- we're like a full-time forest school, so everything we do takes place outdoors, um, wow. whatever the weather. Um, and we, <coughs> um, and yeah, we do a lot of project-based learning um and you know our kids are allowed to climb trees and we build tire swings and things for them so you know it's all it's all great stuff um but that's so yeah one of the key things about my school is that yeah we've got a full-time environmentalism teacher and we've been so we've been taking on a lot more of inspiring our kids to mm-hmm. you know care for care for the planet both in terms of knowledge and practical skills Um, and our big project for this term has been um, about our kids becoming eco-influencers so we want our kids to um, we we want our kids to have a uh, get used to and have a go at well learning things themselves but also trying to inspire others to um, to care about the environment and to um, care about nature issues and uh, and and yeah and share that in many ways and so uh, we and some have been doing that via podcasts
1: that sounds amazing uh, that's really good what 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 gave you the idea to to suggest the they actually um, use podcasts as a way of um, of, en- of engaging with with eco issues.
6: It wasn't my idea. Um, it was kind <sighs> of all of all of our ideas, but I guess we had we we sort of the project itself came first, um, and then we took it from there. So we wanted our project to be being an eco-influencer and then from there um we sort of thought about the ways in which we could do that now me being quite technically proficient um yeah i was i was able to um i was able to help in that sense um and so i could i could you know pete they would people would come to me if there was something that they wanted to do. um, Yeah. If there, if there was something that they wanted to do in terms of um, in, in, in terms of how they wanted to share their info.
1: Excellent. That's really good. Um, I've invited the other Joe uh, to the conversation as well. Hello, Joe. I, I have to ask you, how did I sound? I I got hold of a dynamic microphone after speaking to you, and I hope it's made a difference.
2: I thought you sounded absolutely fantastic, Graeme. Can you hear me now?
1: Yes, I can hear you fine.
2: Lovely. Uh, so, um, interestingly enough, I'm just using the microphone on my iPad, the inbuilt microphone. So, I maybe don't sound as crisp and as, as, as nice as, uh, as you are standing right now. But um, uh, in lots of ways, it's the best microphone that you have at hand that you should use, I think, a bit like a camera as well.
1: Of course. And, uh, Joe, what, what about recording? Do, do the students, do your students record outside as well? Or are
6: Some... you talking to me?
1: yes sorry <laughs> yes. Um, i'll have to call you sir joe
6: um yeah yeah they do um so what we what we do is we have um each class has their own den so they do have a sort of half indoor space where less uh, like course skills lessons and uh, morning meetings and things will take place um and so we do have that um and so, what I've been doing is, while um, the other kids have been working on their when on their project, I've then been um, I've then been taking them one at a time to record record their little um, script, um, and yeah, we've been able to. So we've been able to do that. And well, um, the that's... I guess the one thing that. Um, is kind of unique to to my school like the biggest issue we've had we've got all of that down um last year that we moved site last year um in september we used to have some school chickens and so our number one thing when doing something like this was are the chickens going to be quiet
1: <laughs> i'm sure that would add atmosphere to the podcasts
6: yeah Although our chickens can be quite aggressive, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh dear, um, I know we've we've gone over the hour now, um, Sir so Joe. As a experienced and um, and uh, teachers talk radio host, I don't know how important it is to actually end after an hour. Or can we go on a little bit longer?
6: Um, I mean, your time slot is eleven till twelve. Uh, I mean, you've not got to be honest. You've not your ne- The next show is at four. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it's up to it's up to Big Boss Tom. Um, but I'd say if you like wanted to go over a, a minute or two, then that's not really a problem.
1: Okay then. So I guess um, I I don't want to upset Tom. So I, I guess I should be wrapping things up uh, now as Probably. well.
6: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I just uh, I just thought it's quite interesting. Uh, we have this chat. Uh, anyone who is joining us live, there's a chat going on, and Anika, who um, is in in the chat, was asking about the ideal length of a podcast. Um which is quite interesting. And Joe Joe, not Sir Joe, you had um uh an idea about that, didn't you? You you said, you know, maybe thirty minutes or an hour.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, what I was referring to in the chat was uh let's say for teachers listening to podcasts, I think lots of teachers like to listen to podcasts when they have dead time. In other words, when they're on their commute yeah. or when they're they're going for a walk. And so I think um uh say 30 minutes or an hour is a it's a good time for that I think for student produced podcasts you probably want to have it um nice and snappy and quick and I would say recommend something like five to ten minutes depending on what you're um wanting to talk about but I, I also think it's really important to have as I said in, in the in our interview um have bullet points so that you're sounding as natural as possible that you're not reading from a script because I think that's uh that's not very engaging we're talking about engagement it's not very engaging to hear someone who's obviously reading from a script whereas if if it sounds natural and authentic i also said in the in the chat as well it's a good idea to smile when you're talking which might sound a bit naff but um it certainly helps uh, when i'm i'm recording if you smile then your your mouth changes and you sound more engaging in my opinion
1: I'm definitely going to try that tip out. In fact, I'm smiling now and beaming. <laughs> so I hope I'm sounding um, more enthusiastic because of that. So thank you very much, Joe, and thank you very much, Sir um, no Joe. Sir so Joe, do you wanna, do you want to tell everybody remind everybody when you have your show? I think it's on Saturdays, is that right?
6: Yeah, my, my show is Saturday lunch times. It's, it's often a tricky time for people to listen live, but you know that that is when my show is.
1: Yeah, I've I've actually listened listened to your show a couple of times. So uh so it's a good time for me. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. and I think um we don't have another show today because our presenters of that show have been struck with with COVID, I believe. Um but they will be back next week, I think hopefully. Um and I just wanted because I mentioned it before, I'll just finish by mentioning just uh, one inspiration for me when it comes to podcasting was an amazing educator called Bob Sprankle and he created a podcast called room 208. And I was, I did think I'd have time to talk about it, but I've run out of time. But what I do say is that anyone who's creating a podcast that involves engaging students, I really recommend you listen to some of his uh, recordings of that room 208 podcast And they are still available, which is great uh, to see. And if you go to the website BobTaughtMe.com, you can find links to Bob Sprankle's work um, and recordings of that podcast with the kids, BobTaughtMe.com. So thank you very much, Joe, again, and Sergio. And um, thank you, everybody who has come along to listen live. Um, This has been my first show, and uh, bye-bye.